hard work. Adam, do you want to go ahead and hand those out, bud? Adam's going to hand out uh, some notes for this morning. And if you need a pen, they've got some pens as well that they can get to you. <clears throat> Chris, do you have those pens? And uh, you can follow along this morning. We've got a little bit of a a little bit of a game built into the notes this morning. So if you pay attention, then you can figure out the message at the end. There's a built-in little message in the notes this morning. So as I put up points on the uh, board here, there will be certain letters that will be highlighted in green. They're bold, they're underlined, so they should stand out. And as they come in the order, you'll see at the bottom of that first page there, there's some blanks. So as they come in the order that you see them, you fill in the blanks. And so by the end, you should see what the message is. And uh, just related to our, our lesson this morning, just to try to keep you a little engaged this morning, I know it can be a little tired. And I know we're all, you know, on Valentine's Day, sometimes our minds are just floating around, thinking about love and like emotional stuff. And so we just want to get a little grounded. I'm just kidding. How many of you really like Valentine's Day? You can be honest. Joe Hannah does. Peggy does. Oh, in the classroom with the kids. Yeah, I, I, you like it, Becky? Okay. Yeah, I told Sony this morning, I said, babe, I hope you're not upset I didn't get you anything for Valentine's Day. She's like, I don't care. I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> oh, I've just never been a big Valentine's Day fan, <clears throat> mainly because Sony is my Valentine every day. She's not even out here. I didn't get that. All right. All right. Hard work. I was going to, I'm going to share a couple little, <clears throat> did you know, did you know that there is a national laziness championship? National lazy championship. When you get it, you get atrophy. A uh, trophy. Okay. All right. All right, the five signs of laziness. Number one. That's it. All right. The definition of laziness is it's a talent of taking rest before you get tired because prevention is better than the cure. Bum, bum, ch. All right. And I just put this in here. This actually doesn't have to do with laziness. It just has the word lazy in it, but... Annabelle and I thought it was funny. Or maybe I did. Annabelle just said, Dad, you're weird. Why was the lazy-eyed man a horrible teacher? Why was the lazy-eyed man a horrible teacher? Because he couldn't control his pupils. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was good. The teens are like, huh? Okay, we'll explain it to you guys later. Anyways, someone will repeat that. I know it. I know it. Someone will repeat it. All right, does everybody have a handout this morning? Have a pen? And uh, again, I will call out the first couple, and then I will not call out the rest. We'll see who's paying attention of the green bolded letters that you'll see up on the board. Adam, you can grab the Sharomas there real quick, bud, as they're coming in, and get them a handout. And we'll get started this morning. Work. Let me just, just real quick, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter number 2. Ecclesiastes chapter number 2. 
And then we'll, get, we'll be looking at a lot of verses in the book of Proverbs this morning around this concept of work. You see the word, there's a few key words that we're going to look at that come out of the book of Proverbs. Who, who, just in your understanding of Proverbs, what terms come to mind when you think of Proverbs related to work or the lack of work? What, what comes to mind? Success. Slothfulness. What else would come to mind? Diligence. Labor. Sluggard. Okay, those are all kind of some key words that if you were to study through the book um, of, of Proverbs, you would see these key words that kind of pop out. So just as a means of introduction, I'm just going to define a couple of these for us. When we see the word diligent, the word diligent in the Bible actually has the idea of determined. And the word diligent, most often used in the book of Proverbs, actually has the idea of a threshing instrument or very fine gold. And I started thinking, like, how does that have to do with diligent? But you think about a threshing instrument, the idea is an instrument with sharp teeth that is constantly shredding, that you use in labor, you use it in, in work, but something that is diligent is determined. It continues to stay at something. It doesn't stop. It doesn't take a rest. It doesn't take a break. So someone that has a, a, a threshing instrument to accomplish whatever they need on their farm or whatever they need in their work, they want something that's going to stay diligent. They want something that is very fine-tuned and it's very determined. And that's what the word diligent has the idea of. It's someone that is decisive. They are determined. Uh, and and, and they, they basically accomplish things. The word labor in the book of uh, Proverbs simply just means work. Uh, most oftentimes it's used, it just simply means work that you're about. It also can mean wages, which again is related to the work that is being accomplished. The word slothful just means lazy, idle, slack. Someone that is uh, uh, basically doing nothing. And then the word sluggard is just another word for slothful. So, you know, as we look at those words and we read them in some of these verses, I just want you to have an idea of, of what those words mean. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter number 2. We're not going to read this whole passage here. Um. But we talked about this a few weeks ago. Verse number 11, one of the failures of Solomon is he began to, we talked about priorities. Solomon began to put his priorities into things other than seeking God and, and following God's commands and fearing God. He began to look at pleasure. He began to look at wealth. He began to look at his wisdom. And the other thing that he began to look at is work, the labor of his hands. And really from verse 11 to the end of the passage, Solomon in some ways gives a very woeful or kind of uh, you know, depressing view of labor. And, and it's just important to remember that he's not giving it to say that labor is bad. He's doing it in the fact that he put labor above God. He put labor above fearing God. But it says there in verse number 11 of chapter 2, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. He basically goes on to talk about how, how is it different from a wise man to a fool that when they labor, they're just going to leave it to someone else. Someone else is going to reap the benefits of your, your labor. Someone is going to reap uh, the rewards of all the effort you put into your labor. He says in verse 17, I hated life. I mean, he's just very depressive as he's thinking about uh, his focus on labor. 
But then he gets to verse number 24. He says, There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. You know, it's important to remember that work and labor does come from God. It comes from God. And, and Solomon, while he was woeful about the, the vexation of having a heart that just drives towards labor, he's more talking about motive than he is talking about the actual labor itself and, and about the benefits of labor and the good of labor. And in verse 24, he reflects on that to say, you know, there's nothing bad about enjoying the pleasures that come from your labor because it's a gift. It's from the hand of God. It's, it comes from God. And you can enjoy the results that come from your labor. So it is a blessing to work. Good to work. As means of introduction this morning, let's just look at this, the foundation of work. Turn to Genesis chapter 1 if you real, will real quick. And I'm just going to remind us this morning of the foundation of work. We're not going to read these full passages here, but just for sake of... A foundation and getting our mind thinking about work. The first thought here. Anybody notice something in this first point? A green bolded letter. Those that got your handouts at the bottom of your sheet, there's some blanks. In the order that they come, just write those in the blanks. So that first blank is going to be a G. It's going to be a G. If we guess it, can we shout it out? No. Let me have my fun. <laughs> Make you wait. Uh, but here, letter A, the foundation of work. <clears throat> I don't know why my voice is cracking this morning. The foundation of work. God demonstrated work in his creation, did he not? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Look, God set a pattern for man in that he himself, before he even created man, he himself created a pattern of work. And, and, and really set an example for us of work. And now look at what he did in his work. He worked for six days and then he rested on the seventh day. The Bible says the evening and the morning were the first day. He in some ways sets even a pattern of what does a work day look like? What does a work week look like? What, what, what does rest look like and, and taking a break from your labor? Look, God set a pattern for us. So it must be important for God that there is work and labor if God himself was willing to demonstrate it. You know, God could have just on the very first moment that he thought, said, everything be here. <laughs> and everything could have been there. And that could have been it. That could have been the end of his labor would have been one word, one thought, whatever God would have wanted to do. But he did. He set a pattern for us of what would labor look like. And he created man. Here's a second thought. God demands work from his creation. God demands work from His creation. There's your second letter there. I'll give you these first few. There's your second letter. The O is highlighted in green. In Genesis 1.28, it says, God blessed them, talking about man that He created in His own image. And He said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, fowl of the air, and over every living thing that creepeth upon the earth. What did God demand of man after he created him? To work. 
Remember, he told Adam to go name all the animals, and Adam did it. He told them to subdue the earth, have dominion over it. At that point, there was no sin present yet on the earth. And yet God still told them to go have dominion over the fish and over the fowl and over the beasts. He told them to labor among his creation, to labor among and to multiply and to be fruitful. Hey, go plant some things, go grow some things, go, 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 go prune some things, whatever it might be. Just go replenish this earth. Hey, there was work that they could still do, and it was good, holy, right work. It wasn't thorny work. It wasn't maybe even what you would call difficult work because sin is what brought the the travail of labor upon us, did it not? The sweat of the brow and and the pain and the travail came because of sin. But work in itself, in its purest essence, is is good. It's pleasant. It's godly to work. So God commands us to work. And then the third thought here, real quick, is God delights in the work of His creation. So not only did God demonstrate His work, God demands work, and then God delights in the work of His creation. And we again see that in in Genesis chapter 1. Over and over again, you see, God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. It was very good. And this is after He gave the command to Adam. To, and, and to go and replenish the earth and to subdue it and to multiply it. He gave the command for work, and at the end of that chapter, he says, and he saw that it was very good. It was pleasant to God. Proverbs eleven twenty says, They that are of a forward heart are abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are His delight. Upright in His way, again, you could put a lot of context to what does it mean to be upright, but a thought to being upright is someone that labors wisely, someone that is wise in their labor would be someone that would be, could be characterized as upright in their way. And what does God do? God delights. God delights. So here's your first four letters, G-O-D-B. We got those four? All right. Let's see who catches the rest. Brother Matt's like ready to go. But here's just our foundation, okay? Where, where does work come from? It comes from God. And so we ought to be careful how we approach work and labor and to view work and labor as if it's something that is torturous or that something that is um, uh, unholy or ungodly. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't works that would be done that are ungodly, but the concept of work is a godly term. It's a godly concept. It's right to think about, do I have labor in my life? What am I working at? What am I laboring in in my life? Because God wants us to be laboring. God wants us to be working wherever you're at. We're all in different phases of our life. We've got teenagers in here. We've got young adults, older adults. We've got um, some even older adults, however old we want to talk about adults. I'm not calling anybody out. Um, But we're all at different phases. So your labor is not going to look the same as someone else's labor. But whatever labor God has brought to you, you we ought to look at these next principles that we're going to look at and say, how am I working in the labor that God has given me. So here, we're going to look at 11 facts of hard work. 11 facts of hard work. Let's go ahead and go to the book of Proverbs chapter 6 for this first one. And we're going to be looking to a lot of verses. Some of them I will just read just for sake of time. But Proverbs chapter 6. And I tried to put like some slogans up here just to get us to, to catch on to some of these thoughts here. These aren't really like you know, amazing insights and, and so forth. But 
just some thoughts that come out of these verses. Some facts about hard work. Number one, don't oversleep. Don't oversleep. Anybody like to sleep in? Does anybody in here, you may not want to say it, does anybody in here sleep past noon on any given day? Man, look at all the adults like, no way, no way. All the teens are like. Anybody in here as an adult sleep in at any point in the week past 9 o'clock? Okay, 9 o'clock. Ms. Becky, I can kind of, I think you need a little extra rest. Yes. All right, I didn't see any adults raise their hand. So I am not a big sleeper in guy. I think the latest I can sleep, I think I slept until 8 yesterday, but I was like tossing and turning from 6.30 to 8, you know, just kind of like, am I even really asleep? What's the point of laying here? Well, it's warm, so whatever. So, and the kids are still asleep. My kids have never been really, really late sleepers. Start, there's a couple of them starting to get to the point where on a Saturday they could sleep until maybe 9 o'clock. Um, they, they could... They could stay in bed till nine o'clock. But for the most part, my kids historically, ever since they were really, real little, have been up at 6.30, 7 o'clock, just pretty uh, by habit. That's kind of my tendency. Um, the thought here is not that don't get rest, okay? But let's look at what he talks about when he talks about this idea of sleeping and what is he referencing. And I say don't oversleep because we're going to look at uh, individuals here that are categorized by people that just tend to want to keep on sleeping. Proverbs 6, verse number 4. We'll start in verse number 4. I think I wrote verse number 1 down there, but we'll start in verse number 4. It says, Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter, and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. There's that word sluggard again. means slothful or lazy, idle person. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. There's an example to follow, right, that he's giving. And then he says, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man." What is he saying here? He's saying there's, there's a tendency of a sluggard, someone that is lazy, someone that has a slack hand, someone that is idle. There's a tendency for them to oversleep, which the idea here is not, again, just necessarily laying in bed and staying warm and, okay, I'm just going to get a, a couple more minutes of sleep because I'm extra tired. He's not necessarily talking about that. It's more of a, an analogy or a picture compared to the ant. He says, consider the ant. What does the ant do? The ant goes out at the right time and goes and, and, and picks its food and, and gathers all of its food and prepares for what? The time when there is no harvest. The time when there is nothing that they'll be able to go gather. So what are they doing? They're preparing and they're planning and they're working and laboring, anticipating what's going to come. And he says, the tendency of a sluggard is someone who sleeps during the opportunities that are ripe to labor. And when they tend to wake up and finally realize and they become alert and they become a, 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 a aware of, actually, I probably should get something done. By that time, the poverty has come to them. And the word poverty, it doesn't just necessarily mean that you become a poor person or that you become homeless or that you lose your, your bank account or something. What he says is you become 
impoverished in whatever labor you chose to ignore. Whatever labor you chose to sleep through, you lose the benefits of that labor. You miss out on the harvest that that labor would have brought. Maybe there's an opportunity that is given to you to labor and to work, whether it's at a job or it's in church, and you say, ah, it'll be there in another month. Oh, it'll be there at another time. I'm just, I'm okay. And we sleep our way through those opportunities, and then later, we find poverty. We find the missed opportunity to gain from that harvest. A little slumber, a little folding of the hand. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. The thought of a, a want as an armed man. The idea is this, is that once you get in a situation where someone is armed against you with a weapon, you're helpless. Right? That, that you, know, some, you know, a robbery or, or maybe there's some trouble going on. And, and while it's going on, you may feel like, man, it's no big deal. I can kind of breeze through this until all of a sudden that armed man is to you. And when that armed man is to you, now you're like, oh, well, I can't do anything about it. Well, what if I would have worked and I would have labored and I would have done something when I had an opportunity? Maybe I wouldn't have to face the armed man. Now I'm wanting. Now I'm, I'm needing something because I've got this armed man before me. And he's just saying that the idea is that those that oversleep or those that, those that sleep through these opportunities or, or tend to just stay idle when, when God puts something before them to do, and, they, and, and then they miss out on gathering for the harvest, gathering what God wanted to provide for them, gathering what God wanted to give for them. I even was thinking about, you know, when we have revival meetings and stuff like that. There's a tendency for us to sometimes just kind of sleepwalk through different things that happen at church, different messages and different special services and, and all sorts of things. And all of a sudden you might think later, man, I might have missed an opportunity for God to bring a harvest to me if I would have just been alert and I would have labored to, to understand and labored to, to know and just not slept through it. There's so many things in our life that we kind of just sleep through. We just kind of idly go through it, and, and we're not following the example that he gives of the ant that he says they're constantly looking for, how do I get the harvest? How do I get, take advantage of my opportunities while they're here? And that's what he's telling us. Proverbs 20, 13, he says this, Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. Again, he's just bringing about the same thought. Don't, don't love being idle or just breezing through things. No, no, no. Open your eyes. The idea of open your eyes is be alert. Be ready. Be receptive. Uh, uh, take advantage, and you'll be satisfied with bread. You'll see the harvest come. You'll get the blessing that is meant for you. If you'll just be alert and you'll be active and you'll be diligent. The word diligent isn't in there, but again, just the idea of someone that is determined, someone that is, 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 has their eyes open and intentional about doing something and laboring. So don't oversleep. The second thought here, there are only two choices. There are only two choices as it relates to work. You know what I don't find in the book of Proverbs and in the book of Ecclesiastes is middle ground. You don't find someone that's half lazy, half diligent. You know what you constantly find in Proverbs? It's, it's either or. You're either someone that has the character of being diligent and being uh, 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 righteous in your labor, or you are slothful or a sluggard. 
Look at what Proverbs 15, 19 says, The way of the slothful man is an hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. The way of a slothful man. So there is a way of a slothful man, and there is a way of the righteous man. And so I got to thinking, you know, when, when, there's, when there's work that is put before me, and again, we can get into all sorts of what kinds of work, <clears throat> but when there is labor that is before me, something that God has put in front of me to say, hey, this is labor that you're, you need to go do. This is work that is before you. This is something that I'm, ask, I'm telling you to go and do, or this is a responsibility that you have. I have two choices to make. I can be the slothful man, and the way is like a hedge of thorns. Man, it is bumpy. It is painful as I try to see that labor come to, to, come to pass and maybe reap the benefits, but I choose to be slothful about it. Or I can be righteous. I can choose to do the right thing, make a wise decision, and God makes the way plain. Makes the way plain. <clears throat> there are two choices. I can choose the way of the slothful or choose the way of the righteous. Number three here. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Anybody know about excuses? Amen. Um, <laughs> uh, I know this is a little teenagerish, but hey, they're in here. But you know, the old saying is excuses are like armpits. Everybody has them and they stink, right? Don't tell me you've never heard that. I mean, come on. Teenagers. All right. Excuses, excuses, excuses. How many of us have offered up excuses for just not doing something? Nobody raises their hand. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Brother Rusty. Appreciate that. Hey, we're full of excuses. And it's funny. I, I did like this search on quotes about laziness, and, and a lot of them deal with people and excuses, and it, it was actually pretty humorous, but I'll, I, didn't, I didn't put all those on here for sake of time. But excuses... Proverbs chapter 20, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 20, if you will. You know, a lot of these verses really do relate to one another, and the concepts kind of overlap, but there's, there's a core thought here in, in, that relates here in ch chapter 20, verse number 4. He says, "...the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold." Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Now, again, let's just apply uh, some wisdom to what we're talking about. It would make sense if there was a blizzard and there was a storm that caused it to be unsafe for this man to get out on the road or to get out into a field. You know, there's chunks of hail coming down. Hey, we get it. The word cold here is just related to temperature. It was cold. It was chilly. Listen, I've mentioned how I, I, I've been trying to I enjoy running, and I've, I've set a goal this year of maybe some things I want to do when it comes to running. <clears throat> I make the biggest excuses about the cold when it comes to running. I, I, I cannot get up at 5 in the morning anymore and go run when it's cold out. I go about two times around the block, and I come back home, and I jump in bed. I'm like, this is not happening. So I run at like 5 o'clock at night, like when it's at least the warmest time of the day. This guy is basically saying, I'm not going to do any labor because it's just cold. 
it doesn't fit my perfect environment of when I want to work. You know, I need, the, I need all the circumstances to line up. I need my car to perfectly run. I need, the, I need the food to be perfect in the morning. I need it to be the right temperature. I need to have this happen. I need to have this happen. When all those things align, I can get something done. Right? All that this is an excuse. He's allowing a menial, small hindrance in his life to keep him from laboring, to keep him from doing anything. Go ahead, Pastor. Exactly. No, no, you're good. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Don't we as sluggards, okay, I'm just going to lump us all in. We all at times can be sluggards. Don't we think that somehow we're the exception anytime we find an excuse? Oh, everybody else has it so easy. Everybody else just has the, the best tools and ways to get things done. I don't. I'm just going to wait until it all lines up. But yes, everybody is laboring in all the same scenarios and circumstances. There are many, many, many people that have the same exact hindrances that you have. The choice is again, do I choose the way of the slothful man or do I choose the way of the righteous man? Excuses. Proverbs twenty-two, thirteen. The slothful man say it, there's a lion without, I shall be slain in the streets. Does anybody know how often a lion came down the streets in Israel? Anybody? I have no idea. I'm going to guess pretty rarely, if ever. So you have the one guy that he's got this really, really small excuse. It's like, it's just cold, man. It's better in my bed. I'm going to stay here until it just gets to perfect. And then you got the guy that goes the extreme excuse. If I go out there and try to drive to work today, I guarantee you there's going to be a plane that crashes on the freeway. The earth is going to quake. I'm going to get swallowed up. I mean, you know, they... I can't do it. There's way too much risk to go out today. Right? Like they think of every bit of an extreme to not labor. You know, you, again, you got the guys that do the small excuses. You got the big excuses. But at the end of the day, they're just excuses. There's a lion without, really? Again, all of your neighbors are out laboring right now. All of your neighbors are in the street. You know what? They'll probably get eaten before you do. So just run faster than them. Get out there and work. Proverbs 26 uh, again, it's a very similar passage. He says the, in verse 13, The slothful man saith, There's a lion in the way, a lion is in the streets. As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. The, <laughs> he doesn't even, it, it says, The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom. It grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. There's a lion in the streets. I'm turning on my bed and I can't even touch my mouth. I mean, this just seems like such a pathetic person. But all of us have been guilty of being this type of person. I just can't even move. Babe, bring me some breakfast to bed and feed it to me. Because I can't even get up. I can't even do it. I'm just so tired. The sluggard, the last verse in verse 16 of chapter 26, the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. You know what that is saying? Seven men that can render a reason would be intelligent men. These are men that, seven men that 
determine like the reason of a riddle or something. They're intellectual men. And yet he's still saying the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit. That means he looks at himself and his own wisdom and he is so full of his own reasons. He's so much more full of his own reasons than these seven wise people that can understand something complicated and come to a reason. He is so set on his excuses and so set on his reasons for not laboring <laughs> more than these other seven men that can, get, that can actually solve problems. The sluggard, just someone that looks for excuses and looks for reasons to get out of work. This is something that we try to teach our kids and our teenagers, right? Hey, when, when there's something to get done, just go get it done. Oh, I just don't, it's not the right time. Or, oh, you know what, there's, I can't do it because I, something else has to get done and I got to go do that and then I got to do this. And I, whatever, we just have excuses. Excuses are the way of the sluggard. Okay, excuses are not the way of the righteous man. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't prudent and discreet reasons to schedule something to be done at a certain time and, and, and put a priority on something else or, to, or, or, or to, to use discretion in what needs to be accomplished and when and to have plan and to, and to do it. We're talking about having excuses just as not even do the work, not to even do the labor. Excuses. Fourth here, don't work, don't eat. Don't work, don't eat. It says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 11, He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. How does he say he'll be satisfied with his bread? How did it talk about in other verses that they'll enjoy the bread of their harvest or the enjoy the harvest that would come? What did they have to do? They had to go labor. Now, again, I know all of us in here could talk about situations of trust fund babies or people that just have money given to them and they don't seem to ever have to work and they get everything provided for them. Listen, <laughs> that doesn't excuse their sluggardness or their idleness or their uh, uh, lack of understanding to... Um, to work and to labor. That doesn't change this, the principle or proverb that, that, that Solomon is trying to give us. Yes, there are some people that God has allowed their situation to be where they, they don't do much, and yet they're provided for, and they have, and, and, and they get. Hey, that's not a righteous person. That's not a righteous situation to, to, to want to find yourself in. We ought to, we ought to say, Lord, I want to be provided because I labor in what you've given me to do. That's when you can be satisfied. I can tell you this, and, and I think it's anecdotally, but I think you can still believe that those people that are just fed off the table of someone else's labor and work, and that's how they get to be fed, uh, I can guarantee you there's nothing satisfying about that. Without having labor of their own hands and, and, and having tilled for and worked for and labored, there's ultimately no appreciation that's why we talk about the, the thoughts of entitlement, right? People that feel entitled to things. You know, when you feel entitled to something, you no longer will appreciate it. I shouldn't be entitled to anything. You know what I should get? Lord, reward me for what labor I do. And if I get the, the God will give me the just reward for my labor, I can be satisfied in that. And you know, it won't match the reward you get in your labor. My bread won't be the same size as your bread. That's okay. I can be satisfied in it because it's from the labor of my hands. Proverbs 12, 14 says, 
A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands, hands shall be rendered to him. The payment of what his hands have done shall be rendered unto him, shall be paid to him. And then Proverbs 13, 4, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. The soul of the sluggard desireth. He says, hey, I really, really, really want something, but I'm not going to work for it. He desireth and desireth and desireth. So what about his desire? He's not willing to go and do anything for it. But the soul of the diligent, the one that is determined, the one that is constantly threshing and being decisive and active, he shall be made fat. He shall reap the benefit of his labor and his work. Number five here. Don't talk about do. Anybody know these people that just tend to talk a lot about all the things they want to accomplish? I, I'm guilty of that. Over the last like several years, I can, I can, I'm not going to give them to you now, but I can think of handfuls of things where I said, I'm going to do this in this next year. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I did nothing with it. It's all just talk, right? We can also call that procrastination. Anybody ever procrastinated? Yeah. Mark Twain said this, never put off till tomorrow. Well, it may be one day after tomorrow just as well. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> you're going to just go again till tomorrow and then till tomorrow and then till tomorrow. Right? Someone else said someday is not a day of the week. Right? So the idea of procrastination, Proverbs 14, 23 he says, in all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to punery. What is he saying? He says, labor there is profit. In the work is benefit, but the talk of the lips leads to poverty. Someone that just sits there and talks about all the work that they're going to get done, someone that just keeps running their mouth and says they're going to accomplish all these great things, but they never take a step or never lift a hand or never do anything of work, that's going to lead to no benefit, no no. No uh, uh, reward. It's going to lead to poverty. Proverbs 21, 25, The desire of the slothful man killeth him, but his hands refuse to labor. The desire of the slothful man. The slothful man, again, has all this desire and most likely is, 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 is saying it. Oh, I, I, I want to do this. I want to do this. But his hands refuse to labor. He refused to use his hands to accomplish anything. And so it's just a desire, and it says it killeth him. It means it just keeps depleting him and taking life from him. It, 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 it's, it's, it's draining him. All this desire, but yet no labor. There is profit in labor. So don't talk about do. Don't procrastinate. Again, there's a difference between planning and strategizing and saying, God, give me wisdom on uh, what really is my biggest task and what do you want me to accomplish and what do I want to do in my job and what do I need to do in my home and what are these tasks that I need to accomplish? Help me to be a diligent worker. But someone that just refuses to labor is what he's talking about. They talk about it, but they refuse to do it. <clears throat> Next thought here. Hope you're catching these green letters on your handout. <laughs> Work first, get paid later. Don't people always want to get paid up front? Don't we, always, don't we want to just get that big score and that big like payday and we want, we want, <laughs> we just want it now? 
Solomon, again, giving a proverb. This isn't an absolute. We know that there are going to be situations where people, again, receive blessings and receive reward, and they didn't do anything for it. We get that. That's, he's saying that from a, a, a set of, a, of, a, of wisdom in your life, you ought to have the mindset to find satisfi- satisfaction in what you get paid, to find satisfaction in what is given to you and the blessings you get from your labor, you ought to work first. You ought to, ought to be willing to put in the effort before you get paid, before you get a, a, a blessing from it. Proverbs 10.4, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. And again, this when you say the word rich, he's not talking about a bank account. That, hey, the hand of the diligent, the guy that works and labors, is automatically going to be taken care of financially for the rest of his life. This isn't a promise or a guarantee from from, uh, God to Solomon that says, hey, as long as you work, you'll always have all the wealth you want. He's not talking about that. But he is talking about that the hand of the diligent maketh rich and that it maketh provision. You want your needs to be met? Labor. You want to have provision and you want to have uh, God's blessing upon you? Then labor. Work. Don't just sit back with a slack hand. No, the person with a slack hand that just talks about it and gripes about it and wants everything handed to him, the Bible says they, they become poor. They miss out on blessings. They miss out on, on, on the rewards that come from laboring. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Again, I think that talks about these groups of people that say, what do I need to work? Everything's provided for me. Listen, that's all by vanity. I mean, that's just empty. And it's going to be diminished. Uh, Pastors mentioned this. I think others have mentioned this. You could go through the list of people that have won the lottery. Look uh, Look at the people that have come into money very quickly, like even athletes and stuff. How many of them quickly, if they, if they have a slack hand, if they, if they look at it like, I don't have to work at this, I don't have to do anything with this, I don't have to be wise about this, how quickly does money diminish? It goes fast. It goes very fast. And we could share example after example uh, of just people that have lost it because they, what, they got it, but they didn't want to labor for it. They didn't want to work. But it says, he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Turn to Proverbs chapter 24, if you will, real quick. Proverbs 24. <clears throat> Look at a little story he gives here about a slothful man. Chapter 24, verse number 30. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. And then here's this phrase again. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. What is the situation for this slothful man, this man void of understanding? He has a vineyard. What was a vineyard for back then? It was for food. It was for income. It was for provision. It was his labor. This was his work that he was supposed to keep. And what does it say? It was covered with thistles and uh, what's the word? Nettles had covered the face of it. He was sitting in his house idly by, being thoughtful, being lazy, dealing with a slack hand. And all of a sudden he sees out there, Oh boy, 
there goes all my provision. There goes all uh, the stuff that was supposed to provide for my family to put food on the table or to, to pay for this home or to, uh, to be able to, to trade and to sell and to borrow or whatever it might be. He's done what? In his idleness, he's allowed his labor uh, to, to, to be forgotten. And now his, his wealth and everything is diminished. It's, it's gone. Why? Because he was lazy about it. Work first, get paid later. Let me do one more, and we'll just fin- we'll finish this up next week because we're right about time. We've got quite a few more here. Here's a thought. Wasted resources. Wasted resources. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 27. The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. You know, someone that is slothful wastes the resources that are given to them. And I'm not just talking about financially. I'm talking about talents. I'm talking about gifts. I'm talking about opportunities. I'm talking about uh, 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 ways in which God can move them or grow them or do anything. They miss out. It's wasted. He says, the slothful man roasteth not. He went out hunting. He actually took the time to go out hunting. He actually took the time to fire a weapon. And he kills a beast. And then he's like, I don't have time to take care of that. I don't have time to field dress that. I don't have time to to cut up the meat or to take it to some guy and have him process it all. So he just leaves the food out there in the wilderness. He just leaves what he hunted and he just goes his way. And it's wasted. He just wasted the resources. He wasted what was given to him to provide, what was given to him to be able to eat thereof, of the fruit of his labor. And he just says, eh, I don't really care. But it says the substance of a diligent man is precious. Someone that is diligent, someone that is determined and active and wants to labor and wants to, uh, to work hard and, 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 and views uh, these resources right will say, no, no, that's precious. Hey, that's the labor of my hands. I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to value that. Uh, the Bible says that uh, it is required in a man that he bound, uh, in stewards that a man be found faithful. The idea is that when God gives you something to steward, you ought to be found faithful in it. A slothful man, someone that's lazy, doesn't care. You know, they don't care if, eh, who cares if that money isn't in the bank account, or who cares if that doesn't get paid, or who cares if I really even come to church and contribute and, and use the talents God gives me. At least I'm there. I mean, I, wasn't, I didn't stay in bed. I came to church. But they still waste the opportunities to actually labor and to be diligent. Proverbs 18.9 says, He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. He that is slothful in his work, just lazy about it, haphazard, just, eh, I don't know. I, I do a sloppy job. I just, I, I get the bare minimum done. I'm told to get a task done. I do the bare minimum. That type of a person is a brother to him that is just a great waste. You're wasting your opportunity. You're wasting your talents. You're wasting the, the things that God has given you to labor in. And, and the reality is, is that as time goes by, you, you may never get that same opportunity again. And we shouldn't be satisfied to let things be wasted and let time go by that's wasted. But we ought to say, I want to view all these resources as precious. I want to be diligent. 
Thomas Edison said this, We often miss opportunities because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. People have said this, anything worth getting is worth working for. And it's, a, it's very easy in our modern day, especially right now, man, the government just wants to pump money into everybody's bank account, like, like they can just keep funneling money. And in some ways, it starts to get people to think, you know, if I don't work, the government's going to prop me up. If I don't work, I could just start a GoFundMe, and hopefully people contribute to it, and maybe it'll... Take care of mine. You know, there's just this strange mentality. Solomon is saying we ought to have a mentality to be diligent about our labor. Be diligent to work and not to be slack, not to be slothful, not to waste the resources, waste the opportunities that are given to us, but to labor. Why? Because one, we glorify God in that. And secondly, because that is when satisfaction from the labor the blessing from God, the, 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 the hand of God can be seen in the work that he gives to us is when we will labor in it and be diligent in it. We've got about four more, and then we've got a few more points after that. So we're going to stop right there. We'll finish this next week. Just, again, thinking about the wisdom of hard work. 